up, you filthy animals. How's <laughs> <laughs> my buddies over at the R2 Sonic Campfire doing today? Never know. Keep them warm. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. You guys should come. You're my good luck charm, man. I always catch fish with you guys. Is, is there room on the bus? Because I look at you guys, and the, the eight or nine of you guys impressed me a lot. You know, because I first Stop ran it. <laughs> okay. Well, not great. You know. No, go on. You guys. Yeah. Um, I don't do advertising. You're not going to see me on billboards or in newspapers, classifieds, none Podcasts. of that. Well, yeah, there's that because, you know, you guys are awesome. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, well, that's comforting to know in case I say something stupid. No, no yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're hearing it. That's kind of our thing, so yeah. don't step on our turf. Yeah, come on. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I hope I, I hope I don't. What we're saying is actually new, so uh, that's why we're fumbling a little bit. But it, it's going to sound amazing. And we are back. This is Rutten River Pursuits Podcast. Podcast. And this is the Sonic Campfire. We are Reality Outdoor Radio, where our mission is to get you outdoors by connecting you to the people, skills, and products that you can trust. You can trust 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 them. Hey, everybody. It's Bucky. Who do I have with me tonight? I'm Catfish. I'm Steve. I'm Will. And I'm excited. (laughs) Really? Yeah, we're, we're changing it up. We are... Springing forward, I guess, yeah, if you will, that's guys, cool. right? Uh, Stevie uh, talked to uh, Mr. Joe Raymond from Susquehanna Smallmouth Guides. Another great guest host. Uh, yeah. yeah. Got him off the river for a few hours for us tonight. How'd you do that? Magic. <laughs> so before, let, let's just get him on the phone, guys, because we've got a lot to talk about tonight. Joe, you there? I'm here. Welcome. Welcome, Joe. We had Joe on last January, I believe, January 2019. About a year ago. Yeah. Just a little over. Yeah. Yeah. Did you you fish today? I know when we talked last January, you had had been on the river that day. Um, No, I haven't been on the water since the end of December, to be honest. Yeah. I I think uh, last time we did this, it was probably the middle of December. It might have been January. I think it was right before I went up to the St. Lawrence, actually. You had yeah. just pulled your boat off the river that day or something like that, or the day yep, before. Yep. Yeah, so yep. it was... Uh, but I've had all kinds of projects going on this winter. Uh, since we talked last, I got, I've got uh, i been spoiled by the St. Lawrence River. Really? And, uh, we yeah. Hear, we hear such crazy great things about that place. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's... Uh, it's a pretty cool place. It's special. I mean, the Susquehanna River is special, but, you know, if you ever get a chance to go up there, if anybody ever invites you up, you got to take them up on it. Are you guiding up there, Joe? Yeah, that's one of the projects I was working on this winter is getting my captain's license. Uh, so I took the test, and actually I just sent the paperwork in, and I should have it back in, I don't know, within a month as long as all my paperwork's right. But I don't know if you've ever talked to anybody that's had to do that, to, you know, take the captain's course test. Yeah, yeah. But it is crazy. I mean, I drove to, it was three weekends in a row. I drove to Jersey, did a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You have to log, I think it's a total of 56 hours in class. And then pass, uh, there's four different tests. Each test has 50 questions. And it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my life. Really? I mean, it was 
Yeah, you got to. There's rules of the road, navigation, chart plotting, and deck safety. Yeah, and I mean the amount of knowledge that they want you to absorb to you know be able to pass that test is just it's pretty wild. But um, I did pass it, and then oh, nice. Well, it's getting all the paperwork together. I mean, it it's getting. I guess because it you know it goes through the Coast Guard and it's federal. Just the amount of paperwork you have to submit. I had to get a Twit card. I had to go get a special drug test. I had to go get a special physical. Uh, all kinds of background checks. Uh, I mean, this pack of paper that I sent in to get this thing. I mean, I just screwed around and screwed around and screwed around for hours and hours and hours, just checking and checking and checking. You know, making sure everything was signed. And, but we got it. That's and good. Ho- hopefully, I don't hear anything bad back. <laughs> Well, it's easier to get a hold of nuclear missile silo codes than to get your captain's license. <laughs> but I would think that that attests to the fact that a captain can marry a couple once you get into international waters or whatnot. I mean, can they? Yeah, like they're they're a highly specialized group, and the only reason why I'm remotely even knowledgeable about any of this is Here Podfather Ron. His his career was in the Merchant Marines yeah. right. in the Great Lakes, and I spent 48 hours of RV travel time with him, and I picked his brain that entire time yeah. just like, about his... Yeah, because I found like, it... How can I get married in the maritime? Well, I, <laughs> but I just found it fascinating, and, and, and he even... You have to take a first mate's test or a second mate's test, even it, it, when you're in the merchant marine. It's just in, it, it's they incredible. Teach you like the vows, so that they have Joe. To say. Good on good you, on bu- you. bud, to validate yeah. <laughs> what you have gone through. Uh, having taken a standardized <laughs> test, I'm a nurse. Uh, you know, just like yeah. you guys, the the rad techs have taken this the nationalized standardized. Sure, test. Bud. They're not easy. Well, here's These the thing: not no, easy. It's, it's true. It's, people don't give it credit to have a captain's license on what it takes. Just like being a rad tech, people don't realize you have to study radiations of physics. It's yeah. not an easy class to study something that you can't see. Can or you marry smell or people touch. next to well, an X-ray have, machine? I can marry somebody <laughs> while they're being irradiated, you have, and that's the only. But time. You, you have people's lives in your hands. How, yeah. It's I very, mean, very it's, impressive to be called captain. And then captains, Absolutely. think about the infrastructure. You know, they have certain. Some of them have very large vessels navigating through seaports, or you know, and that's you jack that up. That's an economy. I think the guys that are driving them cruise yeah. boats right now, though, are taking online tests. Because they ain't got such a good. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It really is the amount of knowledge that they want you to absorb with light signals and sound signals, and you know the difference between international and you know inland uh, rules and it's chart plotting. I don't know if you've ever seen like an actual navigation chart where you have to do like three point fixes and everything like that. It it's uh, I actually did all right with that. the The hardest thing was rules of the road. You know, that's yeah. what they call it. It's more rules of the water, but just knowing all those sound signals, like it's it it's it's a lot to absorb. It's uh, I don't know how long. You know, how maybe long when I was it? younger, it would have it, it would have sunk in a lot easier. But I just had to read it and read it and read it. You know, over and yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah. And still, it was like man. When it comes time to take the test, it. How long did it take you to actually study for it? Oh, I have. I mean, I had the 56 hours in, in class or whatever, and I, I 
was studying every night for an hour or two, just watching videos. There's actually a, a lot of helpful information on on YouTube. There's a a guy who has a, I guess he runs a captain's course, and then he has videos online that help you study. Didn't help so much with rules of the road, but really with the navigation. Yeah. I had a really hard time following the instructor. I mean, just with the math and everything. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's 12 students in, in the class, and everybody is lost and confused when when it was being explained. And then you know she would go around and help some people, and some people would get it, some people won't. Then she'd move forward, and you know before you know it, you're lost. It sounds like so studying an epic. <laughs> oh yeah, mm-hmm. Epic's the same way. Or computer. Without program. the YouTube videos, I would have been really screwed, especially with the uh, you know the chart plotting and all that navigation. That that would have been really difficult. But but we got through it. I mean, that's what uh, for for this year. I'm going to guide two year uh, two the first two months on the Susquehanna, March and April, and then yeah. the last week of April, I'm pulling out and going to New York. Nice. No way. It's, it's yeah. There's a, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of charter people moving on right now because of i hate to say it but there are ups and downs of our great susquehanna river um yeah and i have i have an old tournament partner who doesn't guide anymore here he guides on the potomac and later he goes to water up by watertown new york um yeah and he has uh i believe he just put on the water like a 28 foot 28 foot cabin cruiser from whatever northwest it's a big river boat sure um but it's a it's a here's the thing maybe we can dive into this a little bit when i was a kid spelunk away bud i was growing i grew up in altoona which is roughly two hours away from our favorite fishing hole up at liverpool in the susquehanna river and uh, my dad's favorite place my uncle rusty my uncle hank my father would throw me in an 18 foot v-haul with a whatever was on it 9.9 something beat up prop and we would drive down here every couple weekends and fish for bass now i was young very young you know you stand up in a v-hole like that you could barely see over top of the rails but there was nothing nothing to catch 100 bass a day when ed back Mm -hmm. nothing and as time went on when i got through into high school the susquehanna river had all but virtually died um people were not excited to go out and fish for nothing um right and then so years go on i go through college i come out of college and i move down to the area of gettysburg and now i'm a half an hour or less from the river 20 minutes and this is you know 10 years ago you know nine years ago the river had make a comeback and five years ago it was on fire it was nothing to catch those numbers of fish again just wet waiting right. you didn't even need a boat yep and nowadays it seems where we're on that decline again and it's unfortunate um as, as far as numbers of smallmouth in the susquehanna river and i could you we could we could pin this we start hypothetically to- we could pin this on multiple outlets and right. if we could touch on some of those because uh, you probably are one of the best people to help with this spending the majority of your life on the river and you've seen yeah. you've seen changes firsthand last when we let right. off with you we let off with high water levels lots of rain silty water a lot of the most of the yep. year was high water yeah yeah it's been interesting um and you know it, it going into decline the way it has been uh you know that direction that it's heading and that's part of the reason why i did get the captain's license to be able to move around but yeah it's uh 
you know, a year ago, a little over a year ago when we talked, uh, you know, the beginning of two, I would say starting off in the beginning of 2018, it was awesome. The beginning of 2018 was phenomenal. You know, March, April, we were, you know, it was, it wasn't hard. Everybody was very happy at the end of the day. We had multiple trips, you know, over a hundred fish. I think the highest number day we had was like 147. Wow. And that was in six hours. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. And then in uh, July, at the end of July, we got that hurt, that first high water event. Right. Where the river went up to 17 feet on the Harrisburg gauge, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. a lot of the fish got pushed in tributaries and pockets, and you know different areas, and it made it. It, it still continued. We had really high numbered fish days because they all got concentrated in these areas. Um, but you know, as the year went on, the same. It just. It seemed like the fish just never really got far away from those areas because the river never went down to a normal level. Like it would, you'd go two weeks, three weeks, and all of a sudden you'd get more rain and it would go back up to 10 feet. And it was just up and down and up and down. And it seemed like every time it started to go down, like you'd go out and you'd start to fish the mid river stuff. And it just, we were starting to miss fish. I knew that something was going on. I didn't know exactly. I, I just had a, I, I had a feeling something was going on. Sure. You know, numbers just started to go down. Numbers started to go down. Well, when you're living, uh, it, you can see, yeah. you can, you can, you have a finger on the pulse, obviously. Yeah, and then, um, you know, the beginning of this year, or getting to 2019, I didn't, you know, I kind of, I expected it to be tough, and spring of 2019 was the toughest spring i ever had on the river uh but you know we still had high water the fish weren't really in the creeks like you would expect them to be you know the mid-river stuff wasn't fishing great at the beginning of april we had a couple good days you know it finally started to drop down around five feet where the mid-river stuff started to come back into play and we did all right but it still wasn't it wasn't like anything like it was previous years. I mean, customers were still happy for the most part, you know, yeah. still better than anywhere else in the area. Right. But, um, you know, we just were battling with the high water and it, all the way till I, I, I fished the Susquehanna until the second week in May. And um, at that point, I mean, I was starting to get burnt out on it just because of the water being up and down and up and down, and it was really fishing small. There's still a lot of people going out, a lot of traffic, and everybody was, you know, there's no secrets out there anymore. Everybody's piling in these, you know, what are now community holes, and it just was making it tough. So I I got an, uh, an invite to go up and fish in, in New York with uh, actually a Native American um, on a territory that they have up there, which, uh, borders the St. Lawrence river and mm-hmm. there's tributaries up there. And I was only really supposed to go up there for two days. I was just going to go up for a Saturday and Sunday. And then that, you know, a couple of days before I knew that there was high water coming down here again. And I was probably going to have to call off trips and, uh, will Clute, uh, he's my buddy up there, the yeah. native American, he, he was, he basically said, why don't you just bring a couple guys up here and, you know, do some trips up here. And, uh, you know, being up there on his territory, you know, I, as long as I have their blessing, I, you know, I, there's, 
I didn't need to go through the normal hoops that you'd have to go through to be able to guide on like the public water right. or, or yeah, do yeah. things right on the public water. When you're up on their territory, you go by their rules. Yeah, they're the law. So it ended up just being an awesome opportunity. Uh, cool. And, you know, I talked my guys into the – I was going to go up Saturday and Sunday. The guys I had scheduled for Friday, I called them. They were from Virginia. I explained the situation. They were like, yeah, you know, we'll do it. They ended up driving 12 hours Whoa. to go up and fish. And this was water. I never fished this particular water up there that we were going into. So I kind of started getting myself a little, I was, you know, a little nervous about it going into it. Uh, but <laughs> it Wait, was so, unbelievable. So you had guys that customers drive 12 hours to fish with you in a place that you'd never fished before a place i had never wow, fished wow that's gutsy that sure is we caught we caught over 150 fish that day that paid off yep <laughs> worth and, it i mean four and five pound smallmouth no like way. it was trip dude, of a lifetime it that up there that time of the year is probably some of the best smallmouth fishing in the world i don't see how you could have better smallmouth fishing anywhere because if there was better fishing people would find out about it and yeah. it would get overrun it wouldn't but be they, anymore. they regulated up there like that time of the year the only way you can go in there is if you're with a native american um you know you know what i mean yeah. like French Canadians will try running over from the other side of the, the St. Lawrence and come up in there. And if, if Will doesn't want them there, you know, doesn't recognize them, he'll call tribal police and they show up in a boat and run them out. Get out of here, Frenchie. Yeah, dude, could you imagine that? I mean, I couldn't imagine having that kind of authority or power out on the Susquehanna. <laughs> you know, somebody comes up on my spot and I just make a phone call and the police come and run them out. Wow, that's it's a good deal. For, so, so anyhow, I ended up. I mean, the river. Uh, I I had guys that wanted to come up on Monday then too. Uh, another group of guys really? from Virginia. They came up. It blew their minds. The river flooded out down. You know, the Susquehanna flooded out again. So there's no sense on going home. And they were like, "We'll stay up here for another day." So we fished two days, and then they said, wow. "We'll stay another day." They ended up staying for three days. Best smallmouth fishing they ever. I mean, just blew their minds. I mean, it's wow. just mind blowing how good it is. Uh, <laughs> dude, I ended up stringing it out for six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> good on you. <ya. laughs> yeah, I mean, and then I mean, finally, I came home in the end of June, and uh, I mean, it was going back onto the Susquehanna. I mean, I got spoiled up in New York, but the Susquehanna was at an all time low. You know, fishing. I it was the worst I had ever seen. It was tough. I mean, Have there you, were days over the summer where we were struggling to catch ten fish. Wow. Um, Are you seeing? Yeah, that? I mean, every day was different. I mean, we worked our butts off. Nobody. I never had anybody skunk, but I was just like, "What the heck is going on yeah, here?" Yeah. And I had my theories. Yeah, you know, I had I, I had some theories of you know what might have happened, but. I I just wanted to stay quiet about it. Yeah. Just kind of, yeah, I mean, we were talking, you know, I didn't want to go public and say anything Are you until that freaking water level dropped and cleared up and I saw it was on the bottom. Then it confirmed my suspicions of what, what had happened. But, uh, are you're not going to say rocks, yeah, are you? No, are you saying, are you seeing that with different species as well? Is it just bass? Or are you seeing like, I mean, how many muskie do you catch a year? Not many, yeah. not many. 
uh, that just I could probably in general? count on one hand. Yeah. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of muskies in this stretch. Okay. There's different areas of the river, different areas of the Susquehanna that I fished are packed with muskies, like an unbelievable population. Uh, but they also have high bass populations too. But I mean, there's certain areas on this main stretch that I fish deeper, deeper areas that do have muskies. I mean, we see them every now and then, sure. but we don't catch a whole lot of them. Gotcha. Uh, you might have one follow your bait or, you know, you just see them suspended a lot of times when the water's low and clear. Yeah, definitely. But, but yeah, I don't know what I saw when the when the water finally dropped and cleared up was flathead catfish everywhere yeah. and bigger than I'd ever seen before. Really? Yeah, I mean, where is that location? Yeah, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah, any, any, I'll tell you exactly where they're at if you go catch them and take them. <laughs> <laughs> any of the deeper areas, like what would have been known as like bass wintering holes. See the problem. Basically, this is what I was. This is what I thought might have been going on, and why this bass population was thinning out. I don't know if you've ever heard like uh, when you have a river rise, when the river rises, everything gets kicked up, and the bass feed like crazy, and the bass fishing can be phenomenal. Yeah, I mean they eat. You know they gobble up the crayfish, they gobble up the bait fish. You know everything starts to get concentrated in certain areas. And for years, you know, we would, every time the river was rising, you know, we'd get out there and you could have spectacular fishing. But since these flatheads really started taking over, I think what's going on is now when the river rises, the flatheads are binging on the smallmouth. They all get grouped up together. I I know this just from what I've seen, like uh, the amount of like scars on the fish, like the uh, the bite marks when you get those chomp marks on either side of the fish. Like when you start having a high percentage of that in dirty water and you're catching flatheads also, like they would sit in the mouths of these creeks like the the confluence of the creeks then as the bat as the you know the bass would move in and out like none of the fish ever made it far away from the tributaries or the bigger pockets like the sheltered areas that they move into when the water gets high yeah you know bass catfish all that and i think every time it went up everything got forced back in and they get picked off on their way in and then they get picked off on their way out they, you know it just was up and down and up and down and every time it happened the herd kept getting thinner and thinner um i and just from talking to other people that were out there like man we're catching flatheads they're they're in the freaking creeks you know some guys were saying they're coming up and chasing you know they like you have muskies chase bass sometimes and we had it happen too in a creek mouth where a, a catfish a flathead you're reeling in a bass and a flathead comes up after it there they were that thick in those creek mouths and I, you know I, those those pockets yeah uh, catfish i know you everybody knows you're a big catfisherman Do, are you seeing the numbers change over the years too and i mean not only are the numbers changing but um the size is changing you know a lot of people that that might listen to this might get upset or be like oh yeah whatever dude your name's catfish whatever but we've caught fish out there 50 pounds and threw them back um at three o'clock in the morning on a wednesday because there's no sense in killing a monster fish that have lived that long just to get your name in a paper um right right. we've got pictures of them with scales so there are monster fish and they're going to get bigger however there's some the scientific proof of what's going to happen here is just like putting a boa constrictor in a cage. It'll only get as big as a cage. 
we're not Mississippi and we're not the Mississippi River. Yeah. Our flatheads are going to top out. And when they top out, the population of flatheads will actually equalize itself out. They're not dumb enough. We're not dumb enough to shoot every deer in Pennsylvania. They will see. And here's the thing, too. I'm not disagreeing with Joe. I absolutely agree with him. However, the numbers rising aren't what everybody say they are. They see them when the water's low, so they see them in big numbers. Yeah. When the water's up like that, other there are other factors that are hurting the smallmouth. When the water's up, these fish, they split up. They don't want to be next to each other. They're territorial. And a lot of the bite marks that you see on these bass aren't because they're eating them. It's because they're territorial, and they're trying to get them away from them. Scientific you know studies show that uh, you know a flathead of any size normally a juvenile flathead will eat once every five days a big flathead will eat once every 10 days so if one flathead eats every 10 days roughly now this is speculation on somebody's scientific studies yeah um, down south because they have they have these accusations and problems in other rivers in, in the country so i absolutely believe that it's a fact because i've cut flatheads open and seen smallmouth bass in them really right absolutely i've also cut yeah. over channel cats and i found small very small fingerling bass in channel cats constantly so we talk yeah. about the st lawrence river and there's some of the biggest channel cats in the world in the st lawrence river but yet their bass populations are outstanding what i think will happen like when i was a kid till now it's gone up and down up and down i do believe that there's an issue however i think it'll equal itself out they're not going to deplete their food source to the point where there's only two or three hundred of them left that weigh 60 pounds um they're so populated when the water's low that people panic now i've i've been catfishing that river my entire life i've i'm catching more catfish bigger catfish but unfortunately what i'm not seeing is this massive 80 percent drop in bass like we did you know in 1997 2001 i do i think it might happen yeah but flathead catfish were not the problem back then so we have to take that scientific fact what happened last time compared to this time because there was no flatheads in 1997 i was gonna say how new is it? like i'm totally like <clears throat> what we can do about it as sportsmen as being a cat fisherman and a bass fisherman and joe relies on his uh, relies on the river for for part of his income income is these guys that are out bow fishing for carp most cat fishermen will will down you for shooting a flathead i i can i you know condone you oh my god most bass fishermen you know throw them on the bank however right if you work together and the bow fishermen do substantially take them out of the water it will help the bass population right but you'll never shoot all these flatheads you just no. won't do it however there is a point just like a deer herd they will out eat each so what will happen is if they're not regulated they'll either they'll eat everything right um, but they'll but if that's the case they'll equal themselves out they're not the hogs of the south that just populate and populate and breed four times a year whatever the hell it is and you know kill a cornfield in one night and move on however right. that's that's the demons that people portray them at they're a predatory right. fish that is extremely territorial if you put your hand next to them they will bite you no different than a bass yeah um i think that to help joe out and help the catfish him out on top of that is you should shoot them with your bow 
you should use them. Flathead are amazing eaters. Eat them, yeah. Um, yeah, eat them. Now, however, saying that too, there are there are hundred other things that we could discuss on how to help this river, uh, and you know as well as I do, we've been out in this river uh, a lot of times and seen the amount of trash. Um, people's pesticides that go into the water i i can't say that all these markings and and bar and um these the black source. marks and all this stuff that has nothing to do with flathead catfish or something else going on i guess my point is is that i'm not sticking up for the flatheads but there is a sustainable amount of money there for other kinds of guides like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. uh the catfish queen so she makes her money on flatheads and yeah. it's, it's amazing for her so it's how you look at it i would love to go catch 100 smallmouth a day and i would love to go catch a 50 pound flathead sitting on my kayak at night with my brothers if we can figure right. out how to make that happen and i really think my honest opinion i think that is by promoting the catfishmen promoting these guys shooting the juvenile catfish now i'm talking everything that's 20 pounds and less kill it to, to keep the numbers down Slot. but if you are floating Slot over top limits. of a 50 pound flathead you have to remember that that fish only eats once every 10 days and mm-hmm. the number the numbers of flatheads in the river compared to the numbers how of small old mouth, is that fish too <clears throat> 15 years old to 12 you know to probably to the time that came around mm-hmm. you know to their i mean we we're not we're we're here's the thing too we don't have the science yet because we're dealing with relatively a new species in the river and relatively new saying in the last two decades or less yeah um but scientific facts prove that you you've done it yourself joe i've seen it on your social media that if you dump one upside down or cut it open they have small mouths in them so yeah but i've done that with uh multiple other species like muskies and and channel cats and if right. i'm not if i'm not mistaken there are monster, monster channel cats in, in the St. Lawrence. So yeah, uh, the difference there. I think the difference is the, in the water clarity. Yes. I don't think those catfish do the damage in clear water. I think they do the damage in dirty water. They like to hunt in dirty water because yes. I mean, it's just the bass get disoriented. I mean, a bass's world is clear water. Bass want clear water. A catfish is going to thrive in dirty water. Yeah. So when you have a high water event and everything gets jammed together, I mean, a bass's uh, odds are against them. And then when you get those catfish, they just chew and chew and chew. And I, I, I would hope, you know, I, I hear what you're saying about, you know, hopefully one day it balances out. But these flatheads started on the lower Susquehanna. And I remember the, the fish kill was the big, the initial decline was back in 2005 the 90s were phenomenal the whole way through yeah the big there was a there was a fish kill in 2005 which was mother nature it was basically a low water event during the spawn and it got hot real quick and just stressed the fish out and whacked them the whole way up the river we lost a ton of fish huge fish kill where you saw thousands you know there was thousands of them dead floating Mm -hmm. um but the lower Susquehanna, since those flatheads were introduced, to, you know, the bass population down there just has been in a steady decline. Now it's to the point where you don't even waste your time pretty much from your cave and down. I mean, you're wasting your time going, you know, trying to catch a smallmouth down I com- there. I completely agree. And, it- and that's why I say, you know, those things have been down there for 15 years. Those flatheads have been down there for 15 years and it never balanced itself out. I think basically what happens is they eat, 
they chew everything to pieces until there's nothing left to eat. And then they, they start migrating upriver. And that's what we have going on right now is when we say I mean, introduced, but the Mississippi river is an amazing fishery for both species. So I think, do you think, do you think it's because of the size of the Susquehanna river? Maybe, maybe the size, what's particular, what, what really concerns me about the upper Susquehanna, like where I fish. Are you talking right, about so we'll like talk- up at Northumberland or Lewisburg? Uh, just pretty much when you get into natural flowing river. Okay. When you, when you're not dealing with any impoundments or, you know, dammed up water, when you're dealing with, you know, how it, you know, what the Susquehanna, it looks like in its natural flow when it's low over the summer you can pretty you, it looks like you can walk across it yeah. so you're dealing with relatively shallow water and then every now and then you have a dip you know which um, over the winter you know that would end up being a wintering hole right you know you'll have four or five feet of water four or five feet of water three feet of water two feet of water then it'll drop down into 10 or 12 feet of water and that's where those catfish are laying in and that's where they're piled up, just freaking massive loads of them. And those bass use those same areas. Uh, you know, they're moving out of, in and out of those same areas, and especially in the winter time. I mean, that's where those fish are supposed to go in winter. Uh, and I mean, like, I don't know if you've ever heard stories of the Fort Hunter wintering pool. You know, 10 years ago, you could have 25 boats up there and everybody would catch 100 bass in a day. Now you go up there, it's loaded with catfish. Like if you go up there and jig, it's loaded with flatheads. You go up there and jig silver buddies. And I mean, do you, you can want, snag as many catfish as you catch bass. I love it's, this. I love this communication because let's, I would like it's, for everybody it's, to listen to this and let's figure it out. Uh, do you think that commercial, do you think some commercial fishing regulations to let guys like they do for blue cats on the Potomac? Do you think some commercial just, fishing regulations to take some of them out would help? I almost, I mean, the bass guys are, I would like for everybody to get along, but I don't, you know, I think it, everybody, you know, if guys were coming after my, I'll say it like this. So in Maine, the people in Maine say the same thing about the smallmouth. Smallmouth got into areas up there. And gobbled up, they gobble up the trout. Right. The trout fishermen freaking hate them. Right. And there's actually signs to, you know, uh, you know, go around and if you catch smallmouth, get rid of them. Don't throw them back. And me being oh, a smallmouth guy, I can't wrap my head around that. I'm like, you got to <laughs> yeah. be freaking kidding me. Right. So I got to put myself in the cat fisherman's shoes and listen to his side of it. Like, dude, you can't be taking my catfish out. That's why I like to fish. But when you're talking about, a species of fish like that that's so destructive that the way that they multiply, the way they grow, and the way that they eat, and the way that they just take over areas of water, I just don't know. I don't know if there is a solution to it. I almost, I mean, some of the bass guys have snakeheads. Bucky, don't Man, say the S word. Those snakeheads. The, the they're coming. Head. They'll be next, guys. The I'm just, I, I hate to rain on your parade. Did you hear me? What's the flatheads no. eat those? They have no. Will they? Yes. Maybe the they'll eat them and not the there is small. Snakeheads won't go up into that free flowing water. No, snakeheads. Snakeheads. Uh, their habitat is more similar to largemouth. Well, so nice try, if, Buck. If you, Here's if you find an area that has a lot of largemouth in it, you know, a, a lake, a, an impoundment, that's that's potential. I'm not saying that those snakeheads won't make it up onto the Susquehanna into the 
the lakes. They will eventually. They could end up in Conowingo. They could end up in Aldred. They could end up in Long Level. They could end up really, you know, all the way up to Lake Frederick and possibly even above uh, – Maybe even at the Pola City Island. I don't think so. I don't think they would go up that far just because, you know, they're they're more in like the lily pads and the marsh. I just if snakeheads did come up, I don't think that would be as devastating because at least you can catch them similar to the way you catch bass. I mean, guys could kind of make a switch over. You well, can the, target, them, wait, target wait. them with I think, artificial lures. I, I think the problem with that comment is the fact that flatheads don't have 2,000 babies at a time twice a year. That's yeah. that's why snakeheads are so invasive. Gotcha. Yeah. Is right. the fact that they breed on a level that no other fish does, and they have a no natural head? predators. That's correct. I, the flatheads can breed twice a year and have up to like eighty to. They can drop to like eighty to a hundred thousand eggs. Yeah, th- that's what I read. Um, well, here's the. I thing. don't know if they're actually breeding twice a year, but when they, I've seen them spawning. I I would imagine that they're probably only spawning once a year, and it's over the summer. Well, it's I've never like seen July that group of numbers that you're talking about on baby flatheads, though. And I spend the majority of my summer staring straight down for crawfish where baby flatheads are. You would think I'd see big poles of them with headlamps. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. I can I can shoot you pictures, which will just where they're piled. You gotta. I mean, if you're in a kayak, you might not see him as easy. Sure. Um, you gotta look for a deep hole that has wood or kayak. something going through it. <laughs> I have aircraft carrier lights on my kayak, and I'm four <laughs> feet above the water, standing on a on a giant cooler. So I bow. I can bow fish off my kayak with that. Oh, all right. Yeah. Kid. I don't know. I mean, keep your eyes peeled because I'm telling you, man. If <laughs> I've just never seen it, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not arguing. Dude, I've never seen it in 15 years. I've never seen more than 10 baby cr- catfish together. It's crazy. Dude, I've seen over 100 of them together. People don't realize how many of them are up there, and there's so many in that, like, uh, probably 15 to 30, even 40-pound range. I mean, they just – you got to find a deep hole, and there has to be a wood or, like, a log laying in the hole, and – if you're out at night, maybe you're, maybe they're not grouped up as much. I see them during the day, like a clear, sunny day, sun they're, high in the sky, water's clear, and they they get underneath. Are we they talking about fall. like thumb length, or what are we talking about here? They're 15 to 30 pounds. I have floated multiple float trips on a junior out in the Susquehanna fishing for smallies, lots of right. trips. and. So, I mean, we floated from, like, Williamsport down to Allenwood. And I guess, what, like, when you talk about these community pools and, you know, your boat comes up, smallmouth rip out of the hole, some of them come back, some of them run. Do you think right. – I think some of the – it's just one of my theories. I think some of the smallmouth are understanding that, listen, this area is dangerous. Like, this – we have so – like, the predators are taking over because when we did that float trip, me and Logan caught over 120 smallies apiece in a one-day trip. Now, that's way north of us. There's some truth to that, but the numbers – do you see that? They're not all flatheads. Uh, there's a few carp mixed in with it, too, but that pipe is long. What, and t- they were what like time that, of year is that picture taken? Over the summer, when it was this summer, when it was low and clear, the water level was real low, so they're trying to stay in the shade. Yeah. They're all packed yeah. in there. That, yeah. No, I, here's the thing, Joe. I don't want our listeners to think that we're arguing. I totally 100% agree that they're, well, I, that they're a problem. I, yeah, I, 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 mean, I want to figure out how both parties. Like, if I lived I up north, I'd want both parties to be happy. And maybe the only way to fix it is to take out 
completely go away. I don't want them to have, you know, nothing left to catch. But when they're in there in those kind of numbers and the bass population's just freaking plummeting. Yeah. I mean, you got to basically this is what's going to happen. It's not I I've already formulated a plan B, you know, going to the St. Lawrence. Sure. You but, shouldn't have to do that. You know. But I feel bad for these local businesses. Like you have local tackle shops, you have local boat manufacturers. You know, the Susquehanna draws in a huge crowd of people. And if that fishery, if this upper Susquehanna takes a dump from this a flathead invasion, the way the lower Susquehanna took a dump from the flathead invasion. I mean, it's going to hurt big time. Like some of the bigger tackle shops that are selling all across the country, they might be all right. But these little mom and pop shops like in the sticks, like different areas, Perry County, uh, they complained to me a bunch this past year. Like, we need to get together and do something about this. We know this is a huge problem. What can we do? No, it's the I same mean, principle in Pennsylvania of people complaining about coyotes. I, I honestly don't know what the solution is. I hope a lot of people listen to this and, and do, you know, like you said, if you do catch those smaller fish, you know, harvest them. Yes. Maybe it'll help make your bigger ones bigger. But eventually these things are going to, you know, they're going to chew everything to pieces to the point where there's, you know, there's, I mean, they could chew, chew the river to the pieces to where they have to continue migrating further and further up river where, you know, they end up way up the North branch or end up the West branch and, you know, get stopped at uh, the Williamsport dam, but they could make it all the way up the, the, the North branch to freaking New York. They could, I think that's what could end up happening. And maybe at that point, well, weather's a factor too. It, it, it could balance itself out, but uh, it pisses me off that the Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission lifted the the regulations on no fishing during the spawn this past year. They couldn't have picked the worst year for it. I mean, this the alarm is sounding off. Like if you're going to do something to save the fishery, you got to do it now. No, and, yeah, you're already behind the eight ball. You should have done yeah, it. Yeah, right? I do agree with that. They should have never removed those regulations. I mean, that's a huge problem in itself. We could talk about that. Yeah. You know, that, that, I noticed in 2017, 2018, just the fishing pressure alone, like by the time, by the end of April, I was ready for it to close down just to get the pack of people off the fish. I knew what was going to happen if they did open it up. Well, this is what I thought was going to happen. I thought, these people that come up here and beat on these fish are going to beat the snot out of them the whole way through the spawn. You know, it's the easiest time of the year to catch them. They're going to beat on them and beat on them and beat on them until they can't catch them anymore. And they're not going to go home until they can't, they're not going to leave. They're not going to quit coming up here until these fish just have had the absolute snot beat out of them and they're uncatchable. And then we're going to roll around into summer and we're not going to be able to catch anything. The way it used to be with the closed season, you protected them during the spawn, which is there's nothing wrong with that. And then at least when it opened back up, you know, the third Saturday in June, they had gotten a break. And then we had spectacular fishing throughout the summer. I think as long as they leave it open and guys are beating on them, we're going to the summer is going to fish tough. I mean, it's not going to be easy. I just think like when you have uh, like when you have a uh, a gem of a fishery like the Susquehanna, just trophy smallmouth waters, trophy fishing waters, 
do everything you can to protect it, to make, you know, just make it last. Be responsible with it. The most responsive. All right. So I, you know, the flathead population is probably taking, taking a hit on them. That's going to be hard to conquer. Pollution is probably, uh, you know, that's causing, causing issues. Nobody's going to do anything about the pollution. That's too well, expensive that, to fix. They, they've been talking about doing that for years. The only thing that they can really do to protect those fish out of the three things I just you know mentioned yeah. um, that we've talked about so far is protect these fish during the spawn. If you if you care about this fishery and you know you care about these businesses that, that count on this fishery, mm-hmm. you got to protect these freaking fish. I mean, the alarm is sounding off. I'm telling you, we are missing a lot of fish. But like, some people are speculating up to seventy percent of we've lost seventy percent of the fish. What over the past year and a half? Yes, it's. Wow. I'm telling you, it is bad. Over the it's last year better. and a half. Yes, it's bad. It is bad, bad, bad. The people that spend a lot of time out there know how bad it is. You know, it's you, bad, Joe, bad, you, bad. You've said two things here that I think are interesting when you put them together. A lot of high water over the last year and a half and pollution. And we have a long stretch of the Susquehanna in this part of uh, of the Susquehanna where municipalities have outdated water processing oh, and overflow. And in, yeah. and, and I'm going to get up. I'm going to get my rust belt out for a second here. Oh, oh boy. Because oh, here we go. Because that's always being improved, though. And I know that from the field I used to work in. I've worked in the plumbing field, and those sewage treatment plants are constantly being updated. Uh, all I right. Think, why do honestly, we still have to overflow when it's too much? Yeah, when they that's know a it. And now they're, now they're taxing everybody because you have too much concrete. And if you have this much concrete yeah. and asphalt on your property, you have to pay this amount of water flow I off don't tax. Even think that. This is an outdoor show, Buck. I know, plumber, but what I'm getting at is show. they're generating. Funds and they're still not fixing talk. it, and until yeah. and, and until somebody realize it's not going to fix itself well, until people make them. There's smacks. On the, there's smacks on the wrist for is, people that are dumping. So you can't my, tell me that it's just flathead catfish with no, this other co- correlation. We're dumping crap, literally crap. Yeah, but that's always that's always been like that. It's always been like that. I think the water quality could be better now than it was 15 years ago just because of the updates that have been done. But then, explain, explain me this like, then. What, what's with all the... Explain uh, what, him. What's all these sores on these smallmouth? The water quality is not great. I mean, they get injuries. They, you know, something opens them up and they get an infection. And my point well, is, but is, I saw I that up in New York. I saw that up on the St. Lawrence in New York. My, I mean, really? my point is, is I don't think we have enough research to point a finger at one thing. No. I, I think we have a combination of things in action there right now. A, yeah, there is a combination of things. But what I can tell you is these like those areas that, that I'm talking about that have those crazy numbers of flatheads yeah. that wasn't there before. And the way that they would post up in the creeks, like, all right, so 2011, I don't know, if, like, the annual water flow, like, the you know, the rain amount was higher than 2018. But I know that it was – we had a lot of high water in 2011. In the end of March, the, the river on the Susquehanna Gauge went over 20 feet. Uh, it came down a little bit. Then it went back up again. You know, it was high all spring. It came down over the summer. And then September of 2011, it went up to 26 feet with Hurricane Lee. 
So we had two high water events that year that went way, way, way over, you know, what happened in 2018. And it dropped, came down to, you know, a normal level and fishing was phenomenal. You know, never skipped a beat, never skipped a beat, you know, with high water and in previous years, the way it did this past year since this flathead invasion. Joe, is anyone, is and, Fish and Commission And flatheads are a common, a common denominator to any, uh, you know, river system that's had a huge decline in smallmouth, red eye, different brim panfish, uh, suck, suckers, fallfish. Any, I talk to people, I take people fishing from all over the country, and when I tell them that there's flatheads in this water now, they're like, oh my God, you got to be kidding. I mean, and then they'll tell me a story about, you know, uh, you know, a river back their way that, you know, used to be phenomenal fishing for either panfish or smallmouth or uh, spots or whatever, you know, those flatheads get in water, you know, a river system and they just freaking decimate it. When we and say I, they I were mean, introduced, uh, what does that mean? Like uh, 20 years ago, they were introduced. Did they just get in here or did, did uh, we? They, well, it started on the lower Susquehanna and even back in like 2010, 2011, I remember having conversations with people because we knew back then that the lower Susquehanna was there was a huge decline in the smallmouth fishing pretty much from York Haven Dam down. That's it was starting. And we knew it was the flatheads. I mean, that I mean, when I was a kid, you used to be able to go out in Columbia and Columbia, Marietta and not know what you're doing and catch 30, 40 fish a night. And a ton of people were doing it back then. There was no flatheads. Uh, those flatheads were probably introduced back I don't know how they got here. Nobody really knows how they got okay. here, but they, it started in 2000, the early 2000s, I believe. Wow. Okay. And they just decimated it, dude. Just freaking. I mean, it's not, it is a waste of your time to go down there and try and catch a bass. I don't, now. I don't agree with that. I spent two trips from Gut Road down to the Route 30 bridge last year. We caught over 100 bass both times. That was in June. So I, I just I, I'm trying to believe you and understand. I'm not arguing, but you know, every time yeah. that I go down there flathead fishing, I smallmouth fish on topwater before nighttime. So yeah, I mean that just blows my mind because everybody I talk to, I don't even wait. The last time I went down there, I went down there one time in 2019, and after hearing about how bad it was, I was like, dude, you guys suck. There's no way that it's as bad as what you're saying. I mean, there's no freaking way it's as bad as what you're saying. And I went down there, and, dude, it blew my mind how bad it was. And it was in May when we should have clobbered them. I mean, guys go out at night bow fishing and stuff, and they tell me they see carp and catfish and quillback, and they see they hardly see any bass, you know, down there when they're bow fishing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm trying to put it all together. I'm just going I mean, off if I, our, our I own personal make, trips. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't just make it up. Like, I, I, no, this neither. is the conclusion that I've come to from talking to a ton of people and just with my experience, out, you know, being out there. I don't know. I wish that we weren't going through this at all. Right. But since we are going through it and knowing the history of the lower Susquehanna and the state that it's in right now and now seeing what's moved into this upper Susquehanna and seeing this huge decline in bass, I mean, that picture that I showed you, I mean, there's spots all over the place up there. When that sun gets high in the sky, those catfish, if there's a log or a pipe or something like that or a big boulder, yeah. I mean, they will just freaking pile in like crazy numbers of them, and they're big. Well, here's here's some things it's, that I think that I can help with actually working. I'm trying to fix it in my head, and I've I've done some work with, with 
you know, it was not the fish commission, but with some fish committees, I've done shock studies. So what I honestly believe should happen if, if everybody wants to work together and help it is you can be a amazing resource for science and fix the problem. And guys like you is we should, right. we should create an app for the game commit for the fish commission, excuse me, that every time that you go over one of these piles of big fish that you should mark it. And it's only right. the only app, the only person that could see this app would be, the committee, whoever's going to go out and commercial trap them, shoot them, whatever they need to do, um, right. you know, even if it's in secret. But if you're finding right. these hot spots of record numbers, then yep. that needs to be knowledge of the people. Those spots need to be knowledge of the people. Like like I yeah. said, I, I spend half my lifetime on that river. I'm not seeing right. what you're seeing, so I don't know these well, spots. I, that, that was part of the my point and wanting to do this podcast and just kind of talk about it more because people don't want to hear this. I tried talking about this and telling people about this. You know, the people that could do something and, you know, go out and do research and, you know, point them into these areas. If you don't believe, like, if you don't believe me, come out, I'll show you where they're at. Right. And they just have no interest in it. They don't want to hear it. How, it makes it tough when like, people these, don't want to listen, Joe. It does. They don't want to. I'm like, the guys that go out and catch them are using 12-inch bluegills. What do you think these fish eat? I mean, they eat, I know what they eat because I catch them and I throw them in my live well. They eat more crayfish than anything. But I'd say one out of every five that I throw in my live well is puking up some kind of fish, whether it's – I oh, mean, yeah. those flat those flatheads, there's stuff in that river that you don't even realize is in that river. Basically, if you want to find out what's in that river, you freaking catch a flathead and throw it in your live well, and he's going to show you what's in the river because they're eating everything. They eat frogs. They eat turtles. They eat panfish. They eat mm-hmm. walleye. They eat other catfish. And when I'm having these conversations with these people and they're telling me, oh, you know, they don't do anything. They don't eat fish. I'm like, I think it, I think nobody's going to listen to either side unless both sides come together and there's some scientific yeah. proof of I, what numbers there are of actual I don't, fish. And that's the, that, that, like people think I'm full of crap when I tell them the numbers of them. Like I wouldn't just be pulling this out of my. I wish that I wouldn't have. I I, I wouldn't. I you know I've seen it. I've seen it. Sure. I know what's in there. It's it's mind boggling. And that's why, like when I said, I didn't want to go out and say anything about this until. No, we're good. I have like theories of what it could have been, but once that water actually dropped this past summer. So, uh, you know, that low level where you can see the bottom, you know, crystal clear water. Right. And I seen what was laying in those holes and how big, just how big they were and, and how many of them there were. I was like, well, there you go. Well, Joe, we appreciate you. I'm running up on time, but I want to leave you with a final thought here is I, I so appreciate you not only coming on the show again and uh, we love talking to you. However, Right. bringing some of this to light because yeah it's good it's, i don't when you were sending me the picture i had a bit of an audio static earlier but i was saying that i also see another problem in pennsylvania that there's all these guys complaining about coyotes we don't see them we don't see them but i see them and there's dead fawns and blah blah, blah. but nobody right. wants right. to go out at night and do the work to actually hunt coyotes because they're hard to hunt nobody right. wants to go out at night and shoot flatheads all night light because they're slimy right. and disgusting and most people don't eat them so if guys want to go out and uh you know help solve the problem i think going out and actually shooting some coyotes or shooting some flatheads is one good step in the right direction and if there's anything we could take away positive tonight is yeah and no, i think dude, I, I think that you and everybody else that sees the problem areas can help out by they don't want to listen 
So start taking your GoPro and start taking pictures and dumping them on their lap. Like, and I'll do it myself to help you out too. Cause I, I would, I'm, I have a problem. I'm both in love with catfishing and I absolutely love smallmouth oh, fishing. Sure. So I like to fight both sides, but at the same time, something's going on. And, uh, we, we have to, we have to uh, stoke this fire now. Ick the so. Brent Dexterous. Yes, Bucky. Everybody else is just sitting back laughing at us. <laughs> well, Buck, they, Bucky don't care. He doesn't come out kayak fishing. His knee hurts. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying you're ictus de- dexterous. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I, 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 my closing thoughts would be: yeah, I would like to see him reinstate the closure during the spawn. Good. Yeah. I mean, what are they going to do when this thing really hits rock bottom? Then what? Do you, I mean, what are you going to do at that point? If, what are you going to do? If people don't listen to guys like you that spend their life on the water, who are they going to listen to? So I appreciate it, man. I really I appreciate your knowledge. Mm-hmm. I got so much to sit back tonight and take in and and try to figure out how I can help as a sportsman because it's my river too. Right. Um, and uh, if that means when I'm out catfishing, if that means keeping the ones I'm catching, then that's what it means. You know, and I might start just doing that now. So, right. Um, not that it might help with record numbers, but. You know, here's the thing. You know, here's the thing. Out. People don't understand too. As, as a commercial fishery, as part of maybe some of the solution, like they, I said, they do with blue cats on a Potomac, small flatheads. If you build the cages correctly and you catch the smaller ones, they are amazing to eat. People don't get that. Like it's an yep. amazing eater. So there, there is a market there for them where the game commission could make some money. So. Right. Or the fish commission, I rather. I, I keep forgetting we have two in Pennsylvania. <laughs> we do. So, yeah. Joe, thank you so much. Joe, I appreciate it. So people can keep up with what you're posting and and what's going on this summer when the water drops. Uh, how can people uh, follow you? Social media, uh, Instagram is Susquehanna Smallmouth Guide Joe Raymond, or um, on Facebook, just my name, Joe Raymond. I have a. Uh, a business page for my guide service, Susquehanna Smallmouth Guides also. I'm not as active on there. I might try and do a better job on there this year. I I just juggling around three social media accounts on my own and then guide and do everything else yeah. I'm doing. I just kind of get burnt out on the social media stuff. But uh, Instagram, I do put the most content on. I, I put the most content on there. But either, either one, you know, my personal Facebook page or Instagram page, I, I will say that your Instagram page is responsible for probably a lack of two hours worth of work per week that I don't get done. <laughs> so when uh, the fishing's going on, yeah, right. Yeah. I, I apologize. I hear that all the time. I think I've actually gotten people fired from their jobs. And <laughs> and and I know that because you do it every day, you do see a drop in numbers, but the action on your Instagram page could fool me <laughs> so good on you you might have been confused well yeah you're right i mean you're right you know it's still i i should also say this in closing thoughts because i don't want to make it sound like the susquehanna is a desolate d- dead water it's not there yet it's still the best smallmouth fishing in the area sure it's better than it's better than anywhere else in the area mm-hmm. you uh, you love fishing and you love fishing smallmouth but, bass and you're passionate about it and and it in right. I love it. I love the energy that you put out with it. Um, it, it it's awesome. Um, thank you, everybody. Um, get over there. This, to is, Susqu- this is hard hitting. It's it, one of the more it, yeah. hard hitting, uh, you know, topics we've ever explored. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it was I mean, a bit edgy. It's edgy for us, really. I mean, yeah, exactly. 
and because yeah, we, as soon as at the beginning of the podcast when you said that you were in the catfish mafia or whatever, I was like, oh god. Yeah, <laughs> I knew I knew we were gonna have this is a, gonna be this is gonna be interesting. Yeah. And I, I want to be fair about it. I hope we can figure it out. Amen. We can. And you know what I've known? We can accomplish anything as long as we have love and bibs. I don't. <laughs> Yeah. Amen. Love, yep. Love and what? Love and bibs. It's, uh, it's a throw. It's an old throwback to, back a, to an old episode. Old episode. Uh, old episode. Old episode. But we accomplish a lot with love and bibs, though, Joe. Thanks, Joe. And if yep. you and if you guys are interested in any of those back episodes, Stevie, how can people? Oh, hop find on over to RuttenRiverPursuits.com. Dot com. Check us out on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, by searching Rutten River Pursuits. Download all our episodes on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify. I love them iHeartRadios. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, all right, everybody. Guys. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Hey, have a good night, guys. Thanks. You too, buddy. See ya. Rig and weightless. Peace. And I picked his brain that entire time. You're just like, about his yeah because i found like, it, how can i get married in the maritime well I, <laughs> but i just found it fascinating and 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 he See can you marry people touch. next to well, an x-ray have, machine i can marry somebody <laughs> while they're being irradiated you have and that's the only but time. You, you have people's lives in your hands how, yeah. it's I mean, very very it's, impressive to be cold kept and then So we fished two days, and then they said, wow. we'll stay another day. They ended up staying for three days. Best smallmouth fishing they ever, I mean, just blew their minds. I mean, wow. it's just mind-blowing how good it is. Uh, <laughs> dude, I ended up stringing it out for six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> good on you. <ya. laughs>